One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. Are you guys ready to rule tonight? All right, man. Are you guys expecting? There is a new thing in the room here tonight. Tonight is going to be amazing. All right, guys. When Paul went out um, and started building the churches he, he cared as a father for the church in such a way. He wanted the church, he wanted the people to have the same relation dynamic with the Holy Spirit that he had. His expectation is that the people, everybody, would have the same encounters, the same uh, hearing of the voice of God, the same equipping, the same sending as he did. And in the book of Ephesians um, chapter 1 he reveals this heart for the people. He says, I pray that you would be granted the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the intimate knowledge. It's actually a verb. It's actually knowing of him. The continual knowing him day by day that you would know his voice. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. That's his heart's desire for you, that you would know the spirit of wisdom and revelation. You know why? Because there's a reality in heaven that the Lord wants to release here on earth, right? The reality here on earth is not the real reality. This is a false reality. This is a temporary reality. You are here for a short period of time where your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you can actually reach into the heart of God, pull out the reality of heaven, and release it on earth and change this reality. That's the way Jesus told you to pray, right? right? As on earth as it is in heaven. That's the Lord's prayer, right? You all know that, right? I pray that what is happening in heaven would be released. The pouring out of the Holy Ghost is a daily thing. It's not a one-time encounter. There's an awakening in a one-time encounter, but every day that encounter that you had that shook you to the core, you can actually release heaven, the heart of God, out no matter where you're at, right? How many of you guys read my book? Come on, man. Come on, man. I mean, the stories, every chapter I give stories of the reality of heaven, the, the crazy stories, somehow the Lord spoke and people get changed, people get touched. That's the essence of the relationship of the Holy Spirit. You know, this, this, this prayer that I just talked about, I prayed that every day for about seven years. In fact, I would lay on the floor and I would cry out to God, Lord, grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Grant me your heart. Grant me to know what you are saying. I need to know. I need to know. I need to know you. And as, the, as that relationship grew, I started prophesying to people. I started prophesying to churches. The Lord would send me into restaurants. He would send me into cities. He sent me to India. He sent me places out of that, if you understand that one scripture, that Paul had this amazing encounter, right? He's walking down the road to, uh, road to Damascus. Boom, the light comes out of heaven and Paul gets up supernaturally changed, never the same again. 
He went from a guy killing people, killing Christians, to going into the world, shaking up the world, casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, supernatural things because he had encountered heaven's reality for Paul, who, who, who was Saul. Heaven's reality for Saul was that he would release heaven on earth instead of killing the people that the Lord was speaking to. Amen? And so that same encounter, there's a progression of growth, okay? There's a progression of your relationship, okay? There's things that happen in this room where you guys, this is a place where we're practicing the equipping and the hearing of the voice of God, where the vision of the Lord is released. We have people standing up and helping to pray for people, and people are transformed through you guys praying and prophesying to people, right? And so there's one aspect, that's what I would call words of knowledge. That's what I would call a ministry anointing. And that's, in my experience, that's actually the easiest anointing to become awakened in and to begin to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. This is a safe environment. All you have to do is be willing to embrace, to hug the Holy Ghost, to be willing to chase the Holy Spirit. And when the unction of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you actually follow the voice of the Lord. You actually follow the unction and trust that the supernatural is going to come out of your mouth, it's going to come out of your hand, right? And crazy supernatural things happen. But there is a progression, amen? There's a progression. And how many of you guys know Psalm 91? Okay, Psalm 91 is, in my view, uh, the, the essence of the deep prophetic relationship in a person's absolute reliance on the presence of the Lord. He says, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High and under the shadow of the Almighty. He goes on to say things like, even when fear comes, even when the opposing forces come, and I'm bombarded with all these thoughts of hopelessness and despair, all this stuff happens, no matter what, I will believe in my God, I will dwell in His presence, I will thirst after Him. And you know, in that place, in the place of the deep presence of the Lord, the Lord actually reveals that he, he, he releases secrets to those who love him, okay? In um, Psalm 25, it says he releases the deep secrets to sons and daughters. Matthew 7, 7 says he shares the secrets to those who seek him, right? Amos 3, 7 says the Lord does nothing first without revealing spiritual secrets through the prophets, through, the, through those who are literally hugging onto the presence of the Lord. So your relationship will dictate what he reveals to you, okay? I firmly believe this. There are people with just freaky spiritual gifts. They were dreamers all their life. They, they just had this natural gift. But there are the majority of others who you, your love, the love out of your heart will actually draw that gifting to hear the voice of the Lord, and he will begin to share secrets with you, Okay? And you will actually change the dynamic of your future generations by your relationship. Your relationship will change your future generations. Okay? Your relationship will change not only your future generations, but will change the church you go to. It will change the restaurant you go to. It will change the city you go to. It will change the place you work. Anybody who's deeply in love with the presence of the Lord and he begins to speak to them and you release what the Lord is saying, it changes. Did not the whole thing start out in darkness way back in Genesis, right? It says that 
the, the darkness hovered and the, the Lord spoke, right? And the darkness could not stop the light. The light of God released and changed. It reformed, right? So you are, you, in your love affair with the presence of the Lord, you are a reformer. When you go and speak the word of the Lord, you reform, you change the reality, right? There's a reality in heaven, there's a different reality on earth, and the Lord wants you to know his reality, his vision, his version, and when you speak it, it changes the environment, it changes the situation, amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you were born to prophesy. Amen. You were all born to prophesy, guys. And you see, these secrets that the Lord reveals to you come out of this deep heart relationship with the presence of the Lord. Amen. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, I'm going to read this. This is the RSV version. It says, the unspiritual man does not receive the gifts of the Spirit of God. Okay? So if you are not in the Spirit, I'm just reading you what the Scripture says. If you are not in the Spirit, connected to what the Spirit is doing, the Bible actually says you are unspiritual. I love you guys. I'm just telling, telling, you, what, telling you what the Word of the Lord says. For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man judges all things. The first three, four weeks, all we did, we talked about the judgment, the power of the judgment of the word of the Lord. When the Lord gives you a vision, you are actually pronouncing judgment on the darkness to the person he called you to minister to and to reveal the real identity, the real reality of the ministry that that he's called you to release to the people. Amen? That's the power of the prophetic ministry. That's the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said, he said, I pray that you would all pray in tongues and even more that you prophesy. Because those who prophesy change the earth. You change the place where you are. I know that everywhere I go will not stay the the way it was when I went in there. Is is that cocky? Is that cocky, son? Yeah, that's cocky. No, that's confidence. You tell them, man, that's that's confidence. (laughs) That's my boy. (laughs) I'm telling you, man. You see, when you know the voice of the Lord, when you know him, the, the, the world becomes afraid of you instead of you being afraid of the world. Most of the people, as they walk around, even though you go to church, you, you, get through, you go through the motions, most people are afraid. Most people have a deep-rooted fear because they don't know their Lord and Savior in such an intimate manner. It doesn't matter how much Bible you have memorized. It matters about how well you know the one who walks on water, who raises the dead, who changes all things. There is nothing that the Lord can't do. Nothing. He is the God of the impossible. He looks for impossible situations. He looks for somebody to believe him, to follow his voice, that you are going to go actually go and change that place, that you're going to change that person, that you are going to reach in and break that disease off of them, that you are going to rip that depression out of their life, that you're going to put them on the path that the Lord has defined for them. Amen? Are you with me tonight? Come on, man. Are you with me tonight? Yes. Amen. You see, I'm looking for an army. I am looking for an army. The Lord didn't call you to go through normal and wake up and go to church the next Sunday like like a couch potato. The Lord looked for you to actually step into what you are and that you would gather around a calling and that you would be an army knowing that you are called to change this city and change this region. You are not called to just get up and stand and go to church. 
You are the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. I will speak to you. I will awaken my army. Come on, man. Are you with me? You see, the spiritual man knows all things. He judges all things. But the unspiritual man does not receive the gifts of God. So I have a question for you. Are you spiritual? Do you hear his voice? Do you know what he's saying? Do you know where he's calling you, where he's calling you to go, what to do? Who he's calling you to minister to? Do not fear, baby. Do not fear. Because whoever walks with the voice of the God walks with all of heaven. Amen? You guys are getting me fired up here tonight, man. You're talking back to me. <laughs> You're, we're in trouble. You're talking back to me. You see, it doesn't matter about the condition of the person that the Lord's calling you to minister to. It calls the, what, what the Lord is concerned about is that you believe what he's called you to release. Because what he's called you to release changes those who even are unspiritual who can't receive. Do you believe that the prophecy, even just say the Lord calls you to go speak to a person of vision and the person sits there like a bump on a log, does not respond, does not do anything. Do you think you, is your automatic thing that you missed it? Or are you still believing that the Lord, what the Lord released to you to speak is going to work in that person? I guarantee they walk out of here and they're, they're laying in their bed at night. Their eyes are wide open. And they're sitting there thinking like, oh my gosh, are you real? Are you really real? Right? That's called the fear, of, the fear of God. He's real. And his word does not return void. What he speaks does not return void. You see, you can read the Bible all day long. And people say, well, you just you read the Bible. That's the word. And it just it does not return void. Well, kind of. I'm more concerned about you knowing what he's saying to people right now today because what he is saying right now today is what transforms right now. Amen? Amen? Amen, amen brother. I got an amen in the back. All right. So here's the question, guys. So how do you become immersed in the Spirit? All right, this is a trick question. Okay, this is a trick question. How do you become immersed in the Spirit? I beat on you for like five weeks about why the Lord equips you to pray in the Holy Ghost, right? We went down many paths. Romans 8, 26, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, right? The Holy Spirit is actually given to you to pray through you so that the Lord in heaven will turn and speak to you. Visions and dreams follow your praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen? You guys all pray in the Holy Ghost? If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, our goal here is that you get equipped to pray in the Holy Ghost. Because the spiritual man judges what? All things. Right? So... Another scripture, just real quick, about the gift of tongues, right? Um, Isaiah 28, verse 9 and 11, the Lord actually speaks. He says, to whom will I teach knowledge? Meaning, who will I reveal wisdom and revelation? He says, is it the pharisaical guy repeating scripture line upon line, precept upon precept? And he answers, he says, no, I will teach you with a stammering lip and another tongue. That takes some faith to realize that he's calling you into prayer. Look at your neighbor and tell him right now he's calling you into prayer. Tell him again, he's calling you into prayer. You can't fake it without prayer. 
You see, the person who prays in the Holy Ghost, remember the analogy? The Father actually turns and looks and speaks. He actually, he can't resist. I said, I, I, the analogy that I gave when I taught on this was what? It was the baby crying, right? When a baby cries, does the mother have to think about turning on the milk? Oh, wait a minute. Wait. Cindy's crying. I better wake up. Got to set the alarm clock. Wait, I got to start thinking. Ah! All right. Don't, don't get that picture out of your head. But here's the deal, guys. No, the milk flows. So the analogy is you pray in the Holy Ghost. He's going to speak to you. Tell your neighbor, if you pray in the Holy Ghost, he's going to speak to you. Tell him again. Man, I'm pretty stoked up here tonight, man. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, he will speak to you. He's, it changes your whole life. Fifteen years ago, I never heard God at all. But then suddenly, a prophet laid his hand on me prophesied over me. I go home praying in the Holy Ghost and the whole world changed. It got shaken. Amen. Cole got shaken. Right, Cole? Amen. Cole got shaken, right? Amen. (laughs) So here's the deal, guys. Let's talk about the unction of the Holy Spirit, because once you grab hold and you have a developed prayer life and the Lord starts to speak to you, There's a maturity process that begins to happen. It's called the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's about you knowing the Lord is speaking to you, and He's starting to move you down a path of speaking, talking, interacting, and ministering to people, right? And so, um, turn turn with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. Okay, it says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought you needed to go into church and depend fully on the pastor to take you whole way through the Bible. Wait, what did that just say? Let me, let me, 1 John chapter 2 verse 27. It says, but the anointing, you know what the anointing is? The Holy Ghost, the oil of God, the covering, the giving. That's why Jesus said to the disciples before he ascended into heaven, he says, do not leave this city. I'm sending the power of the Holy Ghost upon you. The anointing of God, the anointing that was on me will come on you. Did you hear that? The anointing that was on me, Jesus Christ, is coming on you. And he will teach you. Holy Ghost will teach you, man. Oh my gosh, when I got that revelation, you could not stop me from praying. I'd rule out, I'd get an unction at 2 a.m. and I'd run downstairs and I'd sit there for hours because I knew he had something to tell me. I knew it. I knew it. I fell in love with the fact that Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Ghost, was going to reach into my heart, speak to me, and give me words, give me direction in life, give me things to speak to the church, many other things. I fell in love with the presence of the Lord. I knew he was my teacher. Amen? Amen. (laughs) 
But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. You know what the word abide means? You're like this, man. You are so close. You are so tight. CNN's not tighter than this. Right? Amen? Are you with me? The news, what the media is bombarding you with is not tighter than this. Because what the Lord says is real reality. What is being said through the TV, what is being said on the radio, what's being said by people, denominational theologies, it doesn't matter. It's what the teacher is saying to you. Are you with me? He is my reality. You see, last week we talked about the red pill, blue pill. You see, I don't want to live life with the blue pill. I want the red pill, the reality of heaven, right? The real, the real truth. What is the Lord saying about this situation? You know, the Lord never leaves anything the way it currently is. He's looking for somebody to believe what he's saying and to release it on earth to change this fake reality into the reality that he wants. Amen? Tell your neighbor it's time for you to eat the red pill. <laughs> My gosh, just let me read that again, man. That's pretty exciting. You do not need that anyone else should teach you. Oh, wait, I just got to go to school, see what the teacher's telling me. Because I'm fully dependent on the teacher. My pastor said this. <laughs> Come on, man. Give me some love, brother. Give me some love. Give me some love. Amen. The Holy Ghost is your teacher. Man, you feel that? The Holy Ghost is your teacher. The Holy Ghost is your teacher. You see, <laughs> you see, when you learn the unction, it switches even the whole concept of what church is truly designed and meant to be from the view of Christ. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How does he build it? He teaches you. He talks directly to you. So rather than coming together as a people to drain the pastor and to expect your pastor to feed you, what if you were getting fed in your prayer room and you were coming together and changing the whole dynamic of what the army of Christ was really called to be? That you actually come together and align together on what the Lord is saying and say, we're going to go down to 19th Street because we had three dreams that says 19th Street is where the outpouring on Saturday night's going to happen and you believe it so much that you line 25 people out there and wait for anybody to run down the road and you lay hands on them and pray for them. What if you really believed that was the way the church was supposed to function? Instead of rolling out of bed at 9.14, jumping in your car, brushing your teeth on the way, sitting down and checking the box going into, going into church. Come on, man. There's some reality. There's a change in reality of what the army of heaven really is designed to look like. That if you know that you have the word of the Lord and you come together to help each other and to help the community, to change the reality of your community, no longer do you come to sit like a bump on the log waiting for poor Barb to wrap her arms around you to make you feel better because the teacher, 
The Holy Ghost taught you at 6.30 a.m. and spoke to you the very thing that was going to happen that day or this week or where you were supposed to go. Are you with me? Say, Holy Ghost, give me a dose of reality. Give me a hunger in my heart to pray without ceasing that you would truly be my teacher and that I would know the unction of the Holy Ghost. You see, if you get the unction of the Holy Ghost, Jeremiah said this, he says, your word is like fire, shut up in my bones. I cannot stop it. I cannot contain it. I have to release it. I have to get it out. I have to actually know, I know what the Lord is saying and I can't actually hold it back because the Lord is going to change this reality. Amen? You see, faith comes with the unction. It's not like there's two different packages. It's not like you hear the voice of the Lord and faith isn't with it. Faith is actually part of the package, right? So as you hear the voice of God, there is an anointing, there is an unction, and there is a power, a dunamis power, a supernatural force that comes with the hearing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, this is out of the Amplified. It says, now faith is the assurance, meaning the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. So if the vision he gives you is from God, is it going to happen or is it iffy? It's about 50-50. Wait a minute. According to his word, it says, now faith is the assurance the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. Meaning, you're in your prayer room, you get a vision from the Lord, you run out so excited because you're going to change reality, or maybe it's a 50-50 thing. It's 50-50 you're going to change reality. Huh? Is it 50-50? Oh my gosh, I love this audience. Is it 50-50? No! If he gives you a vision, faith is on it to change the reality that you're in. Amen? Amen. That's why we pull people up here and somebody in the back gets a vision. They run up here. They start to speak the vision and somehow tears start running down people's face. Somehow they start praying in the Holy Ghost. Somehow the reality that they walked up here with just got changed because the unction came on you, the church. Say this, say, Holy Ghost, I need the unction. Say it again. Holy Ghost, I need the unction. Because I know faith comes with the vision to change this reality. Amen, man. Amen. Woo! <laughs> so let me finish this scripture to make it complete here. Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and is the evidence of things not seen, meaning the conviction of the reality seen in the spirit realm, faith comprehends as fact. Faith comprehends it as fact. There is a reality of heaven that the Lord is releasing to somebody that will so believe it that faith believes it as fact. Tell the person beside you, the vision of the Lord is fact. The vision of the Lord is fact. My goodness. 
My goodness. It is fact. What cannot be experienced by the physical senses, it must be spiritually discerned. For by this kind of faith, the men of old, the men of renown gained approval, right? Do you know the stories, the supernatural stories that Paul referenced? He said, Moses, can you, can you picture Moses? Moses is called by God to go stand in front of the most powerful man on the earth. On the earth. In charge of the greatest army on the earth at that time. Hey, Moses, can you picture this? He wakes you up at 2 a.m. Hey, Moses, you're going to Pharaoh. And this is what's going to happen. Can you picture Moses? You know, can you think, you think Moses soiled his, his shorts? Hey, man, let's get real. Let's get real. You want me to do what? You know, the Lord actually had to train and equip Moses before he actually sent him to Pharaoh. He called him to go to Egypt, but there, was, there were key things. Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, the Lord comes to, to Moses and says, I will make you as God to Pharaoh. You should write that scripture down. Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, Moses, I will make you as God to Pharaoh. You know how he makes him as God? He gives him his word. He gives him his vision. So if I get the Lord's vision, the Lord has made me as his messenger, as, as, the, as the, the, the one ambassador, thank you, the one representing God, releasing what is in heaven on the earth, right? I made you, as, I give you my word, I give you my vision, I've made you my ambassador. I've made you one to represent me to change the reality of this world. Amen? Amen? My goodness. My goodness, you are not mere men. You are not mere women. You are made as God when you get his vision. Paul said, I pray that you all pray in tongues and even more that you prophesy. You get words of knowledge. You have the vision of the Lord because he's making you as God. He, you are his son. You are his daughter. You get the reality here? You fall in love with the presence of the Lord. You fall in love with his heart and you become the most powerful force all around you. You are the son of God that wears the signet ring. And everywhere that signet ring is shown, the earth bows. The earth bows. The earth has to bow. It's not if. If he gives you his vision, the earth changes. The people change. Amen? Amen. Jesus says, will I really find faith on earth? Come on, man. You're an army. You guys are an army. So suddenly, I mean, can you picture Moses, right? So the Lord has to train Moses again, right? Hey, Moses, stick your hand in your coat. He pulls it out. It's completely white. Oh, my hand's leprous. Oh, my gosh. Hey, Moses. I'm giving you another vision. You're going to stick your hand in your coat again. You're going to pull it out. It's going to be healed. <sighs> oh my gosh, you're real. The vision of the Lord is real. Can you picture Moses? Moses Moses went from, oh my gosh, shaking knees to walking into Pharaoh like this. This is how I picture Pharaoh walking in, or I picture Moses walking into Pharaoh, right? He's walking with a swagger, man. Can you, can you picture Moses? You gotta walk, you gotta learn to walk with the swagger. You gotta believe what you are in the Holy Spirit, that you are a son or daughter of God. You're not walking in there as a mere man, you're walking in there with the swagger of the Holy Ghost. 
he stands up in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's laughing at him, right? And they, they start throwing down the, 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 uh, the rods. They turn to serpents. Suddenly Moses, Moses and Aaron, they throw down their rod, eats up their, their serpents. The, you know, the, the wise men, Moses' witches and warlocks, they start to get nervous, right? And then Moses starts saying things to them like, hey, let my people go or plague number one's coming. They turn around and walk away, give them a chance. The next thing you know, the plague comes. Oh my gosh, this guy's got the vision of the Lord. Woo, my goodness, can you picture that? Can you picture Moses, Moses goes back, he goes to bed three days later, he gets another vision. Walks in, the, walks in, hey, Pharaoh, guess what? Giving you another chance. If you don't do this, plague number two's coming. Walks out, whew, my God, frogs everywhere, lice everywhere, water turned to blood. This guy's got the vision of the Lord. Are you kidding me? Right? I will make you as God to Pharaoh. You see, the glory, the realm of heaven is real. It has the power to change the earth. The Moseses of the world are sitting in front of me. Come on, man. T turn to the person beside you. Tell them you look like Moses. <laughs> Come on, you look like Moses to me. You see, can you picture, can you picture, um, you guys know the story um, of the million man army in, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, the million man army came upon Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat, right? Jehoshaphat and the whole, all, of, all of the city, Judah is freaking out, we're going to die. We are literally going to die. Million man army, right? And suddenly, they, you know, Jehoshaphat calls a fast. We got to do something, guys. They start, they start gathering together. And I'm going to pick it up, uh, chapter 20, verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of, I'm, and I'm going to stop there, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of the great multitude for the battle is not yours but the Lord's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord God is with you. Can you picture Jehaziel? Okay, that guy's got, he's got some guts, man. All of the whole nation is dependent on what is gonna, what, you know, this guy who the, the unction, the unction came on this guy, right? He had to have some guts. He had to believe in what the Lord had taught him to hear and to release so boldly that he said, what if he missed it, right? What if, do not fear people. We're going to go down. We're going to send out, you know, we're going we're gonna to gather. We're going to do some worship and the battle's already going to be won for us. What, what if, you know, what if he didn't know? What if, what if it wasn't real, right? Do you think Jehaziel had some doubts? Maybe. 
but it sounds pretty bold to me. This guy stands up in front of the whole nation and says, King Jehoshaphat, take the people down. You will not have to fight this battle. It is yours, says the Lord. It is yours. And so they did what the prophet spoke, right? Jehoshaphat stands up. He says, um, so they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood. Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will prosper. You can believe generally in God, and he'll establish you. There's a grace for you. But if you want to overcome, I'm teaching you about overcoming. I'm teaching you about becoming an army. If you want to overcome, you better learn to believe what the king of kings is speaking to you. Because this transformation that America is about to go to is going to be because people like you, true sons and daughters, being awakened to hear his voice and to realize you are the army of God. You are the real church. You're not just made to get up in the morning on Sunday and come to church and then forget about Jesus the rest of the week. You are the army of God. You come together. You rally around a cause and you go change the earth. Right? Amen? Anybody stoked on that one? Are you with me? Amen. Now then they began to sing and to praise. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come to attack Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. So the Lord sent confusion into this army. They killed each other. Are you kidding me? The God of impossible can change anything. Did you hear me? It doesn't matter what the situation is that's before your eyes in this reality. It does not matter. Because when the Lord is in you, when the Lord is in your heart and you release the word of the Lord, reality changes. Impossible situations become avenues of victory. Impossible scenarios of death, of destruction, of generational curses. They are defeated Because the God who conquers impossible things reaches in, changes that reality through prophetic voices, and it changes the whole dynamic of everybody that was involved. Amen? Amen? Amen. (laughs) Let me give you a couple stories. (laughs) Because this is real, man. You believe it? Come on, Liberty, you believe it? Yeah, Yeah, I believe it, man. You believe it? Amen. The Lord's going to speak to you guys. Your families are going to change. Your situations are going to change. Things aren't going to be the same again. Because an army is being awakened. Amen? You are the army of the Lord. Tell the person beside you, you are the army of the Lord. You are born again to hear His voice. He's making you as He did Moses. He's making you as he did Jehaziel. You're going to work miracles. You're going to work signs and wonders. You're going to change reality. Amen. Hallelujah. My God. Come on, man. Come on, man. In 2011, the Lord came to me. You see, I'd started to progress. I had, I had uh, been ministering in, uh, you know, home groups and in, in some local churches and um, had, a, had built a, a pretty big ministry on, on Friday nights. I had 150 people 
coming on Friday nights and just some crazy things were happening. And suddenly the Lord came to me and he said, I'm going to blind you for a season. You're going to have to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm changing your reality. My son will attest to it. The next thing you know, our world, our whole world started changing. The Lord cut off my relationships and my dependencies with where I got life from. And I had to learn to draw life from him in a way that I had never done before. The next thing you know, I lose my job. I get sent to Pittsburgh. My, my whole family's in Pittsburgh. And the reason I went is because the Lord had given me a dream. He says, I'm, I'm sending you to a city and there's going to be an awakening. You know, and as a guy who, who everything I did at the time was mostly inside of a church, my initial thought was, I'm going there to do some ministry stuff. I'm going to Pittsburgh to go work in a church, something like that. I don't know how this is going to play out, but that's, that was my thinking. That was my limited thinking, okay? So I get this job um, at this chemical plant in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, First day, I walk in, and a woman, mid-50s, she opens the door, and she says, Sir, you weren't hired here just to do your job. You were hired here to release the Holy Ghost. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Does she know who I am? Oh, my gosh. Dude, you want to talk about excited? I, I, I was sitting there like, oh. Oh my gosh. Wait, what did you just say? Speak it again. Prophesy it. Prophesy it. And, and she's like, uh, I don't, I've, I'm just telling you what I heard in prayer that you are here to do a supernatural thing at this chemical plant. I'm there like three, four weeks. And I'm like, I'm praying. I'm walking around. And I'm like, all right, Lord, how's this going to work? Well, one thing leads to another. One person in my office, two people in my office. Next thing, there's five people in my office getting filled with the Holy Ghost, people weeping at lunchtime, people praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking there's nobody in the whole chemical plant that knows anything about the Holy Spirit. Nobody prays in, in tongues. And suddenly there's people walking out of my office in tears, shaking in the presence of the Lord, praying in the Holy Ghost. A couple weeks into this, I mean, there's there's... God, there's like five, and then there's eight, and then there's ten. And uh, there's so many crazy stories. I was sitting at my, at my desk one day, um, early morning, and the Lord says, the nurse needs filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I immediately, I wheel around, I look, and the nurse's uh, office was in the middle of the chemical plant. And I'm looking, and the Lord says, right now. I, I run outside, I run down to the, to the nurse's building, I walk in, I looked at her, I just, I walked, looked at her boldly, man, I said, are you chasing, are you after the Holy Spirit? And her, her eyes got like this, she, I mean, it was like a deer in the headlights, she goes, oh my gosh, she reaches into her bag, she pulls out her Bible, she opens it to a paper, and it says, I need the Holy Spirit, she, she held it up to me. And I said, come into my office at lunchtime. She goes, I'll be there. There's like 10 people in there. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, the presence of the Lord. I mean, there's people huddled in my office every day, right? She runs, the nurse comes in, five minutes. She's crying, she's shaking. She goes, what's this Holy Spirit thing? I mean, she starts praying in the Holy Spirit. She starts having visions. I mean, this is crazy, in a chemical plant. I mean, there's, there's operators coming into my office. There's, there's finance guys. There's all kind of people coming to my office. My office, I mean, it was probably about 
from here to the wall big. I mean, it was a pretty decent sized office. I could fit like 20 people in it. Um, but there's people literally, there's people literally um, at my door at, at lunchtime, okay? They heard about the Holy Ghost. I look out one day and the general manager for the division, the big wig, you know, one of these $500,000 guys, right? He's looking in the office. He's intrigued. He's, he's heard about what's going on in Dave Cuppet's office, right? Well, word started to spread through the whole plant. I mean, through the whole plant. The next thing I know, I'm sitting in front of not just the site human resources manager, but I'm sitting in front of the regional director human resource manager, and he's a Christian, and he goes, I can't explain it. I don't know what this is. I've never seen it before. There's people all through the halls talking about this Holy Spirit thing. He goes, and I'm not going to tell you to stop, but I'm telling you that if you don't be cautious, there's people that don't want this to happen. I said, okay, who you, what, do I need to go talk to somebody? Do I need to work this out? And he says, well, so-and-so, the head HR person here for the plant, she's anti-Christian, okay? I said, well, I'm not stopping. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm here, and I will deal with the consequences, whatever they are. If the Lord tells me to stop, I'll stop, but I am not stopping, okay? I kid you not, man. I go home that night. I get a call um, early the next morning that says, the HR lady, she went home normal. They, they had to take her to the hospital late that evening, and by early morning, she was dead. I'm, I'm not, I can't make this stuff up. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you the truth. The woman who met me at the front door and said, you're here for an awakening of the Holy Spirit, I'm sitting in my office like 7.30. She comes running into my office. She has the Bible out. She turns it over and she goes, this is like Ananias and Sapphira. This is it. She's trying to stop a move of God. The fear of God came into a chemical plant. Word spread. I didn't have to, I didn't say a word. She, um, this woman who met me the first day, she's running around the plant saying, this is Ananias and Sapphira. This is the real deal. This is the power of the Holy Ghost. There's people literally waiting in line to get in my office for the Holy Spirit at a chemical plant, okay? And so I'm there, I'm there for like nine, 10 months. And all of a sudden, the Lord wakes me up at 2 a.m. and he says these exact words. He says, tell Jerry that you'll not be working for him in six months. I'm like, oh my God, you know who Jerry was? Jerry was the uh, regional director of operations. He's the big wig, right? He goes, tell Jerry today that you'll not be working for him in six months. Um, this, okay, this is now my livelihood. I love doing the awakening thing. I love filling people with the Holy Ghost. And the Lord gives me this word that I had to believe that I heard that I know the voice of the Lord. He wakes me up, right? So I'm like, oh my God, my, my, I had to check my drawers. And uh, anyway, I go in. <laughs> I go in. I go in. I sit down. And I said, Jerry, I had, a, I had a dream and an encounter with the Holy Spirit last night. This is the guy who was looking in my office, wanting what was going on in my office. But because of his position, 
he couldn't come in. Okay? <laughs> it's amazing how the Lord works, man. I said, Jerry, the Lord woke me up. He told me to tell you these exact words. Tell Jerry Kuhn that I will not be working for you in six months. Jerry turns white as a sheet. I mean, I'm talking white, like he saw, he saw the death angel or something. He sits up, he goes, you mean he knows my name? I said, Jerry, he knows the hairs on your head. Jerry, he knows, and I just went off on Jerry. Jerry's, t- Jerry's crying, right? I went from shaking in my, in my chair to bo- the boldness of the Holy Ghost. Jerry's weeping and crying. Six months to the week, the Lord had moved us back to West Virginia. Crazy story, man. Six months to the week, I was sitting in an office back in Parkersburg, West Virginia. All right? A year goes by. This is now, uh, what is this, uh, 2014-ish? 2015? I get this phone call. Guess who it is? It's Jerry. Jerry, Jerry goes, hey, how you doing, man? He goes, you remember when you walked into my office? Yeah, I remember, Jerry. (laughs) He goes, you're not going to believe this, but I preach in the prison. I preach in the prison. I said, that's awesome, Jerry. What's the Lord saying to you? I mean, it was supernatural. So when the Lord gives you a word, when he gives you a vision, there is a next vision, there is another thing that's going to happen. It's not just one person, it's five, it's 20, it's 80, it's 100. It's supernatural, man. It's supernatural. But he's looking for one person, just one. Is it going to be you that will believe what he says that chases him down in the nighttime so boldly, so purposefully that you know he has something to say to you that's not only going to change your life, but he's going to change the people and the lives and the dynamics, the reality of things around you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? So I'll ask you again about your prayer life. Tell me about the one, number one thing, the absolute number one thing that the Holy Spirit is gauging in your heart right now is your relationship with Him and how you pursue what the Word of the Lord is. Because He made it simple for you. See, you don't even have to know what to pray. You just have to pray His way and He promises you He will give you His Word. He will give you his vision. He makes superheroes. He makes Moseses. Moses had nothing to do with it other than having an experience and encounter after encounter that he was so convinced that the Lord ultimately used him to do a supernatural thing, to confront the most powerful man on earth. Amen? But you see, you have to know that this living bread, this Jesus Christ, is the one that speaks to you. <clears throat> Some of you may know, um, I released a word about Donald Trump being, being uh, president for a second term. And I've had people, I've had people, <laughs> I've had all kind of 
backlash. Ah, you missed it, man. Ah, it's not going to happen. Well, (laughs) let me tell you the vision real quick. The vision was the Lord showed me an angel um, carrying a vial of oil. It's called, and and the oil was called uh, the oil of justice. And the angel was standing at the mouth or at the at the Potomac River um, outside as the water flows out of Washington, D.C. And the angel poured the oil into the water, and the muddy water suddenly became crystal clear. And not only did it become crystal clear, but it reversed. Instead of flowing south into the uh, Chesapeake Bay, it actually flowed backwards up into Washington. And the people noticed it. They started to gather around the river, and they saw a coffin in the river. So they pulled the coffin out of the river, They opened up the coffin, and he had the body. He was dressed as Uncle Sam, but he had the face of Donald Trump. And Donald Trump ran uh, back into Washington, D.C. He sat on the Lincoln Memorial, and he wrote a scripture, Isaiah 11.11. Isaiah 11.11 says this. It says again a second time, I will awaken the remnant. And then he ran into the White House. Okay? And I'm telling you this because there's, there's the, Lord, there's, the Lord has given many prophetic people the vision that Donald Trump would have a second term. There's guys that have written books about it. And here's the, here's the, here's the deal. We don't know exactly how it all plays out other than we have to trust the vision of what the Lord told us, right? We have to believe the vision. But does it look like it's almost impossible? But I have to tell you, this is why I still have hope, because the Lord showed me that he would be buried in the bottom of a river in a coffin. They would say he's dead. They would already be moving him out, and the Lord would pour justice into the waters and reverse it. There's a reversal. What did I tell you? He takes impossible situations, and he actually changes the reality. Did he not wait until Lazarus was dead? three days? Could he have gone in the moment and said, hey, Lazarus, you're on your deathbed. You're near death. Did he wait for Jesus three days in the tomb? Why why did he have to go to the cross? Huh? You get the picture, right? It's his time. It's his vision. And if if he spoke it, I believe in my whole heart, it will happen. He's waiting for it to be viewed as impossible, as a dead thing. It's, it's, It's nearly dead. You see, it's nearly dead, I'm telling you, because here's the deal. Some of these other big name prophetic guys that have written the books and everything, I've been listening to them over the last couple of days, and they're saying things like, man, I've been listening to Carl Rove. He says there's like less than 10% chance. I've been, I've been talking to all these Democratic lawyers, even though they have these good, this good laid out uh, situation of what they think's happened, and maybe 5%. And, you know, guys that wrote books, they, they're actually saying this is the sequence, and they're actually, you know what's happening to them? They're listening to CNN. They're listening to the false prophet instead of being so tied into the vision of what the Lord told them that they're only listening to what the Lord said instead of what they think is possible and what CNN is saying. All they do is say, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. If you listen to that all day long, what do you think is going to happen to your heart and your faith? You're going to think it too, he's dead. Well, I'm here to tell you. 
He's going to be resurrected. Donald Trump is going to be resurrected and he will sit in that White House again. Amen? Amen. Can I get another one? Amen. You see, amen. Amen. Hey, say, say so here's the deal, guys. Jesus, Jesus, um, Jesus is teaching the disciples about how to deal with this false voice that will bombard you as you grow in the prophetic. As you grow in the vision of the Lord and what the Lord is saying to you, he actually teaches the disciples a specific scripture about dealing with this situation, okay? In uh, Mark chapter 8, Jesus just gets done. He's feeding, he's, he, he's fed the 5,000. He's fed the 4,000. He's taken impossible situations. He's taken uh, a handful of fish and a handful of bread and fed thousands. He has just done the impossible. He is the bread of life, right? They're actually looking at him in the boat. They have nobody else to look at. He's, he's talking to them. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He goes, why do you reason you have no bread? And they're all looking at each other. What? What's he saying? Did we forget bread? No, Jesus is trying to teach them about the, the, the Herod represents the political. What's happening in our political environment? For those of you who are subjecting yourself to the false prophecy coming out of the news, right? The media bombarding you with their narrative. What they are trying to define reality as right? It's a false reality. It is not the word of the Lord. This is a bigger war than you think. This is a bigger war than you think. This is about the world. Let me tell you this. If America falls, there is no other nation like America. And I believe with all my heart, America will not be given over to socialism. It will not. Because God will not let it happen. This is his dream. The significance of, of, of Donald Trump being resurrected out of the Potomac River and running into the, and sitting on, on the um, Lincoln Memorial. Do you know the situation with Lincoln? Lincoln was a hick from the sticks. He wasn't a politician. He was awoken by the Lord to come to a supernatural thing and to turn a nation that was in the very same situation that this one is in right now. And the way that Donald Trump went and sat on that chair in the memorial and wrote Isaiah 11, 11, it was because the Lord is signaling, again, I'm awakening the remnant a second time. I am awakening those who will gather around the dream called America that you will be free, that you will not be subject to the control of ruling governments you will walk as sons and daughters under a constitution that empowers the people to believe. Amen? You think this is about, about them taking care of you? This is about the enemy trying to trick you into believing that this socialistic control of you is what you want and what you need. It's a lie from the devil. And the Lord is saying no. He, the Lord is saying, no, he's setting them all up. They are all going to fall. He's not just taking down. He's, this isn't about Republican and Democrat. This is about the dream of a nation and how the nation that the Lord awakened through prophecy. This, this nation was awakened and founded on prophecy. 
The first man who stepped foot on this nation prophesied that this nation would send missionaries to the world. Amen? So the leaven of Herod and the, and the leaven of the Pharisees. The leaven of the Pharisees is the religious spirit. Okay? There's a contrast to the prophetic vision versus the reality of what you see in the spirit. Or, or what you see in the vision versus what you see in the natural. And there's always the leaven of Herod and the leaven of the Pharisees that will bombard your head, your mind, don't believe that. This is the reality. This is what you need to subject yourself to instead of what the Lord is saying. Amen. The religious spirit, you can recognize it because it's aligned with culture. It's aligned with what's uh, politically popular with rational thought. Our churches are more connected to the religious spirit than they are to the Holy Spirit. Because if they were connected to the Holy Spirit, we would not be in this situation that we're in right now, okay? This religious spirit actually hates the prophetic voice. And I'm just gonna tell you how it is. Churches that deny the prophetic voice of God are aligned with this leaven of the Pharisee. Mark 16, 15 they're beating Jesus. They put a blindfold on him and the Pharisees are mocking him saying prophesy. They're mocking the very fact that he is the son of God who hears the voice of God, who gets vision and dream and is led through everything and he functions under a different relationship versus these guys called the religious Pharisees who functioned under the routine and their interpretation of biblical scripture that put yokes and weight on people. They hate the prophetic voice. They actually will do everything to kill it. It says they put a blindfold on them and mockingly said, prophesy, son of God. Where am I at? Where, who's hitting you? What's my name? Can you picture them mocking him? Can you picture it? Man, that makes me mad. I hate the religious spirit. It actually, it's a fake representation of what the real church is supposed to look like. They look the part. They act the part. They're all good. But you know what? In times like this, in times like this, when the Lord is speaking and they're saying, nah, Trump is a bad guy. Trump is, they don't know who Trump is because they couldn't hear the prophecies speaking that Trump is the Cyrus of this time. Amen. Yeah. Trump is the Cyrus. He is the one the Lord has sent to this nation to turn it. And, I, and I'm prophesying this. I believe that the next awakening is not going to come out of the church. It's actually going to come out of the White House. Yeah. Donald Trump is going to be so overcome by the power of the Holy Ghost that he knows that he knows that he knows that this could not have been him or any other thing, but this is the power of Jesus Christ and what's going to be transformed in him that he's actually going to prophesy. He is going to prophesy out of the White House. It's going to, it's going to change and awaken the church. Amen? That's what I believe with all my heart. Amen. Preach it, Barb. You see, all demons wear a mask. It's called a person. When that narrative comes out of CNN, don't believe that. Trump's dead. Trump's dead. Trump's dead. That's a mocking spirit. Prophesy, son of God. What's the, what is the Lord saying? Rise up. Are you going to rise up, Donald? Can you picture that? Come on, man. Come on, man. Say, rise up, Donald. Rise up, Donald. <laughs> rise up, Donald. 
You see, the political spirit is actually what's behind the religious spirit. The political spirit actually sides with the popular vote. It sides with numbers. It sides with trying to keep bodies and numbers inside the walls of the church. Its, its main intent is to survive. And it believes that its survival comes from the world instead of Christ. You with me? CNN has more influence on most American churches than the prophetic voice. You need to write that down. You need to actually cry out to God for this nation that the churches that are listening to CNN would actually die because they are fake. And that the true voice, the true church, the true voice, the the true power of the Holy Ghost, people who cry out for the living God would be released to actually change the earth. CNN does not have more influence in my life. On, on November 4th, I turned off CNN. I turned off every, every station, and I vowed not to turn it on. The only thing that I would read and I would speak back to the Lord was the prophecy that he told me to prophesy, and I would pray without ceasing until Donald Trump is resurrected. Let me tell you a story about what I see as the American church and how politically contained and limited the American church is. One of the first missions I was in India, you know, the Hindu, there's not a lot of talk about the Hindu, but the Hindu Hindu religion is a very evil religion. They send their kids in with, they call them priests, and there's all kind of evil stuff that happens inside of these, 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 uh, you know, We'll call, we'll call them, you know, the place of the priest, all right? So, um, and they, they literally, um, there's guys that dress in white shirts that the government actually sends out on the streets. They beat with a drum, and they, they run in groups of 10 and 15. You'll see them in different villages and cities, and they will actually, they hunt Christians. They, they beat the drum, and the, it's an intimidation element. Once you beat one Christian, um, you know, the, the intimidation for what could happen to you, it, it, it's real, right? They know it. And so there's this one village um, where there was this small group of 10, 12 uh, people that they, want, they, they, you know, they, they wanted me to come. And uh, they literally put me in a car. They put blankets over me so nobody could see me going in. They took me around the backside of this hut. They sneaked me inside into this small room, there's 10, 12 people, and, and there's a pastor that's caring for, for these 10, 12 people. And they start telling me what it's like to believe, what it costs them, what, what it means that they don't have jobs, they don't have um, relational dynamics with people because they believe in Jesus Christ. And man, I felt so insignificant. I felt like they should be praying for me. And I started to prophesy over these people, man, I'm shaking, they're shaking, there's people on the floor, they're crying, and something happened to me. Something, something changed in my heart that I could actually go, when I flew back to America, I wept for weeks and months about what I could now see what the American church is. A powerless, for the most part, powerless organization, more subject to the political spirit and dead religious routines than they are to the power of the voice of God. And that's why I weep for the, for the church. I weep for the awakening of the church. 
that the people would actually be awakened to trust and hear the voice of God and be willing to give their life. It doesn't cost you anything in America to be a Christian. It doesn't. But you go over there, and they, they, they have to give up all their relationships. They have to give up the fact that they may not have a job. They don't know how they're going to eat tomorrow. It costs them something. So that's my question to you. Does it cost you something? Have, what, have, what have you given? What have you literally given? What have you given up to chase down the Holy Spirit? You see, leaven makes the bread rise. It looks all good. It's all puffed up. <laughs> right? But when the rubber meets the road and politics and religion are actually saying, has anybody thrown the Romans 12 on you? Well, you shouldn't be meeting because the government says you shouldn't be meeting right now. Corona, it's, a, it's an absolute killer. That's a, that's, not, that's a twist of that scripture. Romans 12, do everything your government tells you. That's not what it means, okay? Do you think those guys in India... The most burning relational dynamic that I've seen in the presence of the Lord are people laying on their face, knowing that they could get beat and set on fire out in the street, and let, yet they're laying on their face, crying out for the Holy Ghost to come. That cost them something. That cost them something. But the, Amer the American church, uh, roll out of bed. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to go to church today. Yeah, maybe I will. Uh, See what Marvin Bill had to say, you know, eh, it could be good. What do what you, what you think about the service today? Yeah, Bill, Bill, Bill I thought was a, he, he laughed a lot, and Barb, you know, she just hugged, gave me a good hug. I feel good. That's the American culture, man. That's, that's, the, that's the question. That's how you gauge. Can I tell you that the, if that is your view as people in the church, you are under the spell of a political spirit? You are in a religious mindset of, that will hold you in powerlessness. And the Lord is here today, and he's asking you, will you lay it all down for me? Will you simply lay it all aside? Will you chase after me in the night? Will you actually run after me? And when I tell you to do something, no matter how crazy it is, will you do it? Will you chase me? Will you give me your heart? Will you give me everything? I'm requiring something of you in this new season. No longer will you be able to just sit there because I'm releasing my conviction on you, says the Lord. You see, you guys just got rocked. You guys, you guys are going to be sitting there. You're going to be watching TV. You're going to be watching the news, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, some of you guys, and you're going to run into your room and lay on your face and cry in the presence of the Lord. He's going to change you. He's going to change you. You see, a heart that looks at God as an option, you're fooled. You are absolutely fooled. God is not an option. The Holy Ghost is not an option. If the Holy Ghost was an option, Jesus would have said, hey, I'm going to go into heaven and, you know, it might be a good thing. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's kind of a 50-50 option. You may need it. You may not. But, but you still, if all you have to do is believe in me. The one thing I'm going to send to you is the Holy Ghost, and it's about 50-50 for you all. You may need them. You may not. It's up to you. Just leave it up to you, man. You make your, you make your choice. No, no. He gave a command. He says, you will need the Holy Ghost. Do not leave this city. Luke, Luke 24. Do not leave this city until I send the Holy Ghost upon you. 
And he will deliver you from this religious mindset that you grew up in, in this pharisaical system. I will deliver you from the politics that are played inside the walls of, don't do that. You're going to offend Billy Bob and it's going to take 20 people out of the church. No, no, no. If the Lord says it, it is spoken. If the Lord says it, I will speak it. I've preached in places where there were only five. I've preached in places where there were 10,000. It does not matter. If the Lord says it, I'll, I'll do it because I hate politics and I hate religion. It actually opposes the will of God. Religion and politics oppose your calling. You see, there's people in here right now that you think it's about becoming comfortable and the Lord is saying, no, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to reveal myself to you as you become uncomfortable in realizing that you are under the spell of politics, that you are under the spell of religious routines and dead, the deadness of, of the religious routines. Amen? You still love me? I love you. <laughs> Listen, man, I have a vision. I didn't pick my family up. I didn't pick my family up and say, we're going to Toledo just to have fun on Saturday nights here and there. See, I have a vision. I have a vision that in five years, there's people in here running churches. There's people in here having missionary calls to other nations. There's people down here waiting for people to come out of, out of drunken bars to prophesy over them because the Lord told them to do it. And they're seeing miracles happen in these bars. That's why I came to Toledo. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? You are not mere men. There are Moseses under the sound of my voice. There are Joshuas. There are Davids. He makes the simple man who is willing to follow him into the unknown to hear him and thirst after him like David thirsted after him in the night season. He will transform you and you will transform places. Amen? That's why I came to Toledo. That's why I came to Toledo. It's not just like, uh, I don't know, this Barb and Bill, you know, this, thanks, you know, this is pretty cool. And, you know, this, this group of people and this. Uh, no, you are an army. You are the army of the Lord. I see people equipped in the fullness of the Spirit. I see people praying in tongues and prophesying. I see people writing books. I see people prophesying over preachers and teachers in the middle of classrooms. Come on, man. There's a, the fear of God has entered this room. He is dividing and separating all this deadness and these routines that people get trapped in, these lies of just fitting in and being politically correct. He didn't call anybody to be politically correct. It was Jesus politically correct. He walked into that temple, into the religious place, and said, you guys are lying, cheating, stealing. You are hogs, dogs. You are of your father, the devil. Does that sound like somebody who's trying to make peace? You see, until you identify the lie, you cannot deliver them into the, into the realm of the freedom of the Holy Ghost. We have whole movements. But just it's the grace of God. You just have to believe. You don't have to give your life anymore. You know that scripture that says, he who desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You just blot that out. That doesn't count anymore. Doesn't count. You don't need to do that. 
He doesn't need, you don't need to rule out of bed at 2 a.m. when he's shaking you. I need to talk to you, Aiden. I need to talk to you. You're going to change something. There's a dream in your heart, and I'm unlocking it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do tonight when he shakes you? There are going to be people here tonight you go home, and the Holy Ghost is literally going to shake you. I've felt the hand of God on my neck. I have literally been pulled out of bed by the Holy Ghost. That's no lie. And I pray that you actually feel the tangible hand of God on you. I pray that you become so sensitive to the Spirit that your heart, that all that hard stuff that this world and CNN and all these lying places have put on you, that you will actually say, God, I want you to show me what I really am and who you really are. Who you really are and what it means to be called to walk in the calling of Christ. What I need to give up and how I need to chase you differently. Amen? Amen? Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.